Hello, and welcome to the EMS Improv Podcast, where we engage, where we are mindful, and we tell or share our stories. I am Eric Chase, and we are powered by GEMS. Today's primary guest is Adam Culbertson. He is the Fire and EMS Coordinator at Edgecombe Community College in North Carolina. He is also a practicing paramedic. He brought along with him part of his leadership team, uh, two fantastic and strong individuals, and they are Sarah Lewis, who is an instructor, a paramedic, and also a lieutenant with Edgecombe County um, EMS in North Carolina, and Ms. Gabby Robinson, who's also an instructor and a paramedic at Edgecombe Community College and the lieutenant with Edgecombe County EMS. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to welcome you all to the EMS Improv Podcast. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about leadership, what leadership is not, organization, how we interact with one another, how we maintain a, a level of professionalism, some of the things that are going on in education today. There have been a couple of recent articles, um, Adam and ladies, uh, that Kelly Grayson had out in EMS One, where the NREMT proposal is a step backward for EMS education. EMS World by a friend of mine, article Jonathan Fight, Two Views, uh, Rinse and Repeat. Uh, Oklahoma, or, excuse me, North Carolina is not a national registry state and why that does not matter for the education and the component that uh, y'all are doing there at Edgecombe Community College and what the state requires and, and whatever else comes to mind. So this is engaged, this is mindful where we share and tell our stories and without further ado, Mr. Adam Culbertson of Edgecombe Community College. Welcome, sir. Thank you, sir. I greatly appreciate you having us on today, Eric. Um, you know, first of all, I'd like to take a moment to introduce um, Sarah and Gabby. As we discussed in kind of the prelude, Sarah and Gabby have uh, have a history, uh, an amazing history. They are my lead EMT instructors. They are uh, they both serve in leadership roles in their EMS agencies, and. You know, as I said before, uh, Sarah was in my second EMT class that I ever taught. Um, during that class, she played a key leadership role with her fellow students and helping them through the class. Uh, she became an instructor here uh, a few years back uh, and has really excelled. Gabby and I have, have worked together in the past. Um, she, she has mentored me in some areas. Uh, she's a very strong individual. And, um, you know, she, she shows exceptional leadership as well. Um, so, yeah, they're they are some great people. Uh, today, you know, I really want to drive home leadership because I feel like uh, EMS is making a turn. Uh, I don't necessarily feel like it's making that turn fast enough. Uh, you know, the history of leadership in EMS has always been uh, a hard rule, I think. Uh, it's, it's been the hard rule of do as I say. And, and just do your job, not uh, not what it should be. Sarah, Gabby, would, would y'all like to say anything on that note? Yes, I, I agree with you. I feel like um, some changes probably need to be made as far as, you know, do as I say, and um, maybe we could start leading by example better in the EMS as a whole. Uh, education-wise and on the other side of things. Sarah, can I can I ask you a question? Yes, sir. First and foremost, thank you for, for your point. Um, is, in the intro we were talking about, and as Adam mentioned, 
y'all are leaders there within the organization. You support him and he can look to you for uh, ideas and clarification, collaboration, the co-creative process, which I think is, is near and dear to my heart. You're in a leadership position at your organization. And um, as far as being a lieutenant, when, one of the things that we do in our presentations with the MS Improv is talk about normalizing accountability conversations. It sounds like y'all have that kind of on lock, at least Gabby, Sarah, and Adam, whereas each of you can share pretty freely and openly uh, what you see, maybe somebody's blind spot. But you mentioned and talked about maybe we're taking that turn. Um, I don't think we're taking it personally. This is my personal opinion, fast enough. Um, but in your position, and Gabby, I know you can chime in too. Um, as a lieutenant, are you able to hold people accountable by having verbal and, and or give them verbal or written kind of infractions, you know, where it goes into their record, uh, where you sit down with them? Or is that something that's outside of your purview and it's just basically your glorified schedulers and you respond to those bad calls to kind of help give a hand? Um, that is something we do pretty much on a daily basis um, is um, hold people accountable. So um, we do do the verbals and the written reprimands and um, put in um, suspension requests for our employees. And um, we do like to have personal relationships with uh, our employees on our shift. I know um, Gabby probably agrees with me. It's such a gray area um, trying to have those relationships and have um, those bonding times with everybody, but also being in that leadership role and uh, holding them accountable while also hold, holding ourselves accountable because we're getting paid to be in those roles and do those hard jobs as well. Um, but, but yeah, we, we do that on a daily basis. So Gabby, just before you come in, um, and, and I, I'm curious to hear your perspective, uh, and, and Adam also, since we're going to be talking about, a lot about leadership, Getting paid for a role, Sarah, Gabby, Adam, is not, obviously I'm preaching to the choir, not the same as, as getting training to do some of those roles and responsibilities. So to either Gabby or Sarah, and Gabby haven't been on yet, of course, what type of training in conflict mediation, kind of some of the HR standard rules for engaging an employee, that whether it's misconduct, falling state or organizational policies and procedures have you had or is it just kind of like here's the keys here's your title here's the pay figure it out as you go and maybe you have a good leader um i really wish i could come up here and just tell you about all this you know wonderful training that i've had in, in conflict resolution and um just ems leadership um kind of as a whole but if i was to tell you that of course it would not be completely true now i have taken the ems officer one course um, but that was already after i had my um, my title a lot of just i guess training you would say that i've had to to be able to um, accept the role as lieutenant has just been through watching my peers and interacting with um, old supervisors and that's been from just kind of collecting the negatives of what I thought was a negative and how I don't think, you know, we should supervise and then kind of seeing how other supervisors do it and they do it so effort effortlessly. You know, there are those supervisors you've had in the past, whether it was before you were in EMS or while you were in EMS, that you just knew, like, this is a fantastic leader. And it wasn't that they were necessarily doing anything that was overtly different than the ones who were, you know, just 
not so great leaders, but they were just naturally very good at it. As far as the agency I work for currently, I think Sarah has really kind of led the way there for me as to like really knowing what that role is as a lieutenant, um, kind of being that example of you know, what a lieutenant should be and how well she interacts with our staff. And she's kind of talking about those personal relationships. I would say that Sarah's really good at having those conversations before it gets to the time that we need to really document that this conversation has taken place. Um, and so I would hope that leadership in EMS is taking a turn kind of in the way that Sarah does it, where um, we try to develop that rapport with our employees and and really have those conversations and those hard conversations before it has to get to a point of, you know, we're having to document it. And of course, document documentation has its place in any workplace, but especially EMS. Um, but I think like Adam kind of hit on, you know, for so long, the, the leadership culture in EMS has been do it my way or else. And if anybody who's in the EMS world knows like staffing is a huge issue right now. And if we continue down that path, that staffing issue that we already have is just going to continue to get worse. Wow. Y'all, y'all are singing music to my ears, Adam, what a great team that you've uh, put together. And um, ladies, thank you, Sarah, Gabby for, for sharing. And I kind of put you on the spot. That was probably a turn that maybe made you feel a little uncomfortable, but it's a testament to, um, what y'all do, you know, kind of how we, we improvise, if you will, and, and kind of go with what you've got given and put in front of you. So Adam, without, with all that being said, that's got to make your heart sing too, because obviously these, these two uh, women, strong and, and, uh, and educated in their own right, get to support you and work with you. Um, you talked about the history of leadership, and, and I know you want to dive into that more and what leadership is not. And I think both of them have hit a little bit on what leadership is not. You want to expand upon that, not only in your role, uh, it, it, in your EMS and fire coordinator position, because you oversee a lot of things and making sure policy policies uh, are adhered to. And, and, and uh, we'll get, we'll, when we do the deep dive here in a little bit, we talk about accreditation and COEMS, you know, and CHEP and all that good, good stuff but that's that's got to make your heart sing what what your two uh team members are and, and leaders are saying uh what else do you want to add to all that so i want to go back to what gabby said um like especially about the no training uh, as we all know uh, they're really in many cases people are not promoted by their abilities to lead they're promoted by their abilities to do a job they're promoted by uh, the good old, and, and fortunately, in some areas, they're promoted by what's called the good old boys system. Uh, fortunately, you know, uh, Gabby and Sarah are, are both good leaders, and, and it's not just them. I mean, you know, the organization here locally has has not per se done the good old boy system, and they've picked their leaders based upon their leadership ability or the ability that that they've shown. The one thing that we don't have a lot of is uh, training for ad for for leadership, um, there is a, a person here in North Carolina, his name is John Wilson. He and a group of people saw this need and they created a program called the Officer One and Officer Two courses. And what these courses do, they don't necessarily focus as much on the administrative side of things as they do talking about what Gabby 
uh, reiterated, you know, those hard conversations, you know, what's fair and what's just, what's the difference between the two, uh, you know, uh, how to uh, look at budget when you're, when you're doing, you know, making certain decisions. So, you know, uh, John Wilson, he is the coordinator at Wake Tech, and he and his group of individuals have really put forth a massive effort. And as a matter of fact, their, their course is recognized by the state. I really feel like it needs to be something that goes nationally because I feel like it is a key course that most supervisors should take. Uh, one thing that we don't do is we don't mentor our leaders enough. The one thing that I will say is I try to mentor my leaders and I try not to ever set them up for failure. That doesn't mean I don't fail because I do, but I try to make sure they have the tools they need uh, to do their job. When I, look at, when I look at leadership, I look at it as kind of an emergency manager role. The emergency manager, you know, has the resources, but honestly, it's the EMS chiefs and EMS captains, fire chiefs, fire captains, and all these agencies that lead that scene. I'm just here to provide them the tools they need to succeed. Uh, as far as accountability goes, I'll straight up tell you, uh, Gabby, you know, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, she will hold me to the fire. Uh, and I expect that. I expect it from all my instructors. You know, I really wished I could have all my instructors today, but these were the two that were readily available. And they, you know, they have that initial interaction with the EMT program. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really feel like that, you know, a lot of times when we throw people out there in leadership positions, we throw them to the fire and that is what causes them to fail ultimately. They, they don't get the proper training that they need. Um, I, I would wholeheartedly agree. I'm, I'm over here swearing, uh, and, and raising my hands in, in, in agreement. And, uh, fortunately I was muted for all the listeners. Um, when you talked about being held to the fire by Gabby, um, I, I love hearing that too, because how, how that works to me is like, bottom down and top, you know, up leadership, you know, where, where a person in, in not the highest position, but I think where everybody can assume the role of being a leader within the organization without a title of, of lieutenant, captain, chief, whatever the position may be. I think those are the people when a, a leader by title is typically a manager versus the traits of having leadership qualities where they can interact with people. And I think that's when you start seeing jealousy and backbiting and, and people undermining one another when they've gotten to a position without a, a foundation. It's kind of a sand foundation because of, like you said, the good old boy system. And then there are people below them within the organization's hierarchy that have actual and palpable leadership traits and qualities that hold themselves accountable. And I think that's the first thing, humility and confidence, uh, which all three of you exhibit to me, are, are humility and confidence. You're confident in what you know. Um, I believe you're all aware of what you don't know, which makes you very strong. And then you're willing to share, ask, and, and hold yourselves, and then thus hold other people accountable. So you have integrity. So integrity within the organization. Um, you've been at Edgecombe Community College for 10 years, and you're now the, for the last year, you're now the uh, 
coordinator. That takes integrity and that takes relationships. Why is it important, Adam and then uh, Sarah and Gabby, to build relationships, to have a foundational relationship that is is uh, relational versus just transactional so that we can have positive growth, not only in your position, but when we're dealing with patients and our coworkers. So Adam, uh, if you want to touch upon that first, or if one of you ladies has a, oh, 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 you know, you just want to get, get an idea out there. But uh, I think that's something that you guys are exhibiting that's pretty impressive. So relationship building is, is so important. You know, the, the thing is, is I think it was Henry Ford that said that, you know, a man doesn't need to know everything. He just needs to know where to get it. Uh, a prime example of that is, again, going back to the team that I have. Gabby and I had this conversation, I think, yesterday that I put people in positions because I know that is what they're good at. That is their quality. Everybody has a quality. I don't care who you are. Uh, I don't care, you know, what educational level, level you're at. You have a quality. And, and I like to see people use their qualities to benefit others because what may be your quality may be a weakness of somebody else. So I use that same philosophy in the classroom when I'm talking to my students as well. Uh, when, I was, when I was teaching in the classroom, you know, look, your fellow students, some of you are gonna be better at some things than others. You need to help each other and always be there for each other. And, you know, Gabby and Sarah always encourage their students to collaborate outside the classroom and to study with each other and to work with each other. Uh, they create social media groups and things like that in an effort to, to keep everybody connected. Uh, building relationships is also important in the fact that, you know, like I said before, we don't know everything. So for example, Sarah is like great at making flyers. I never knew how to put a QR code on a flyer until Sarah, you know, she did it. So when it comes to making my flyers, she's the one that I rely on. Uh, when it comes to making schedules for daily classes, Gabby has that down pat and she is very well at communicating with other instructors as to what needs to be covered. So, I mean, a, a team is important and it's important that we know the, the strengths and weaknesses of each other so we can help each other out. Gabby, y'all have anything to say? I always have something to say. Um, so I'm just gonna kind of jump right in then I'll let Sarah go. <laughs> I, I was muted and I have to laugh out loud. Gabby, that was awesome and thank you. <laughs> I, <laughs> Um, so I would I would venture out to even say that EMS at its very core is about relationship building and and that's from you know the time that they enter the classroom and they have this idea of like I want to be an EMT till the time that they're certified and they're on a truck and they have a partner and then they have to interact with the public at every stage from student all the way through it, it's about relationship building. Um, because if there's no trust there, if there's not some type of rapport there, um, getting to patient care is, is practically impossible, right? Because I have to be able to trust that my instructor is going to deliver the information in a way that I can understand it and that I am free to be able to ask questions without being made to feel like I'm incompetent or less than and that my instructor is going to, you know, do 100% of their job. And as long as I do my part, then we're going to get through this class together. And then once I do get there, then I have to be able to make that connection to my coworkers and especially my partner, because 
some of these scenes that we go on and and I know I've been with Sarah on some of these scenes like some of these scenes are very unsafe and if I didn't know that I could trust Sarah then my ability to do my work is um, is compromised because I need to be able to trust that there's somebody there who's looking out for me while I'm focusing on this patient. And then if I can't develop that rapport with my patient, how are they going to tell me that, um, you know, their husband or wife has been abusing them or, you know, that they're in a situation that they, they need my help to get out of, but they don't trust me enough as a provider because I'm not confident in myself to be able to get them the help that they need. And then they need to also be able to trust that, you know, if I'm giving them a medication or providing some type of treatment that I know how to do that correctly and I'm not gonna cause even further harm to them. And even to take it a step further, the family has to be able to trust that I'm gonna take care of their loved one in the same way with the same compassion that they, you know, would do if they were in my position or, you know, in a way that I would want them to take care of my family members. So EMS at its fundamental basis is about relationship building. Um, but with that said, it's not something that we're, you know, really great at. I think sometimes we are, but for the majority, we really struggle because we don't want to have those hard conversations. But just because it's a hard conversation doesn't mean it has to be a negative conversation. Adam and I, like he, he uses the term, I hold him to the fire. It's not that bad, Adam. But when I do hold Adam accountable, it's not because I'm trying to, you know, fuss at Adam or make it a negative situation. It's because I know that Adam would do the same for me. And I have the respect for Adam and the respect for my coworkers that when they do fall below that line um, of, you know, what where they're supposed to be for accountability that I, I want to try to help pull them up. So when I have those conversations, it's more of like, you know, what can I do to help you get to where you need to get? And then I would expect and hope that, you know, if Sarah saw me doing something that wasn't necessarily what we should be doing, that she would say, hey, Gabby, like, let's let's have a conversation about this. Maybe let's try it a little differently. Um, so it's, it's really something that if leadership is going to grow in EMS, we, we have to get really good at, at those basics, fundamental relationship building things. Wow. So Gabby, and, and if y'all are anything like me, and maybe you're not, and, and I know you are, that empathy, like I have goosebumps, goosebumps sitting here. You said so many things and I wrote a couple of them down. Um, what I hear you talking about is relationships, empathy, uh, rapport. Um, th those are the affective skills. And, and it sounds like what y'all are doing in Edgecombe County at the very least in Edgecombe Community College is that you are building upon those things. I like to call them the essential skills which I think is what you were referring to them as in another name, mm -hmm. uh, in building trust and rapport and relationship with your coworkers, with your patients, with their families, with co-responders. Um, and, and I love this. Just because it is a hard conversation does not mean it has to be a negative conversation. Bravo, bravo, bravo to you. Um, that, that should be a book written. Um, all, all of that to say this, that is exquisite to me. Now, all of y'all know that we don't have the time within the constructs of our uh, coursework to do these things really, 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 really well and spend the time there. So it's each of you uh, figuring out how to do that, reading a book, watching somebody else who did it well or somebody that didn't do it as well. I think Sarah, as you said, but uh, man, I, I'm just smiling ear to ear. So Bravo, bravo to you, uh, Ms. Gabby, uh, Adam, and Sarah for 
for incorporating such a positive outlook, even when the things uh, can be difficult. Um, that was a lot, but holy moly, I still have the goosebumps. So I think Sarah, she wanted to punt to you, but Adam, I think you, you look like you wanted to say something too. Yeah, I just want to say that like in those hard conversations, um, Sarah, please forgive me, but Sarah is kind of like the mother hen. Um, she's really good at and she's really soft spoken. So I think when her voice is heard, it carries. People are attentive to that voice because of her tone. I'm not sure if that really makes sense, but like she is, she is the type of person that is always soft spoken and never really, um, never really raises her voice. And going back to what Gabby said, I, I reached out to some of my, well, I reached out to all of my instructors and I asked them for some comments on what they thought re leadership was. And two things that come to mind from what Gabby said, um, you know, Timothy Boyd, which is one of my uh, paramedic and EMT instructors, he said, you know, leadership is, is something we need to be uh, engaging our students and we need to understand where they come from. Uh, we need to have an understanding and not expect them to perform at the at the same level we do. Uh, Denalio Denrico, he said, you know, we are, as far as EMS is concerned, you know, we are expected to have leadership because we have to collaborate with many EMS agencies. So, you know, that just kind of hits home what, what Gabby said. I wholeheartedly agree. So Sarah, are you, are you slinging barbs back at, at Adam? Because he said, hopefully she forgives me or something to that, that standpoint. Um, if, if we own who we are, right, Sarah, right, Adam, Gabby, uh, then that congruence of who we are translates. And when we do speak, if, if we tend to be more introverted, um, then I think that heightens that level of people's awareness um, or, or soft-spoken. I can tell you that whether it's business related or not, my wife will always tell me it's the tone, sir. It's the tone. Um, and I can't be another, I can't be the arbiter of other people's feelings. And at times we're going to be clouded by the misconceptions of what's going on, or maybe some, something that we have done. And at the same time there, there, I'm assuming there's got to be a good baseline for how I should present myself. So Sarah, um, Gabby kind of pointed to you and then Adam just mentioned you by name. So he called you out maybe a little bit. No, I'm not trying to create division. Um, but a lot of good stuff was just shared. What would you like to add to this conversation? I, I think everything Adam and Gabby both said kind of hits home with me. And um, just hearing Gabby talk is, um, it's such a big deal for me seeing the, the growth and me and her have had so many personal conversations about that great area in leadership and um, driving from the front and um, just hearing her speak like that like you said it was I was over here clapping myself um, but I have to completely agree um, that that meme that was going around a while back it says you know it don't matter how good of a um, paramedic you are as skills wise but if you're a horrible person, then none of that matters. And I think um, just going a little bit deeper on that is if you're unable to communicate and, and be decent with the people around you, why are, why are we out here saving lives every day? And why are we in the classrooms trying to teach people to, to save lives every day um, if we're not being decent human beings with each other? And just like Gabby said, the conversations, 
just because they're hard, um, hard conversations don't mean they're negative conversations. And the number one thing I tell my, my people on my shift when I have those hard conversations is this is nothing negative. And please remember, change equals growth. Anytime you're out of your comfort zone and we're having these conversations, it is because I, I want you to grow and I want to help you and I want, I want you to help me grow and I want us to be better and I want the agency and the county and the school system to be better and um, having relationships in the classroom, like Adam was saying, is I feel number one, uh, the first day I was with the EMT class just a couple weeks ago, the one that's going now, I, I told him, I said, the, the biggest help you guys will probably have in your class, other than us being your instructors, because we're here for anything you need, but having those relationships with, um, you know, the people you're sitting in here every day with, I, I promise you will, you know, that they, they can help you pass. They can help you when you get a job. They, who's to say you don't both get hired somewhere, you know, you can grow together and help each other out so much. And um, whether it's in the classroom or out on the streets, like Gabby said, running up some of these terrible calls we go out on, you have to be able to have those relations and um, learn how to uh, talk to people, I think is the biggest thing. So many people have said, yeah, um, Sarah, she, um, she can, you know, fuss you out in the nicest way. You won't even know you're being fussed out. And I'm like, no, it's, it's not that I'm, you know, uh, fussing anybody out. I, I honestly have no part in me that ever wants to be harsh towards somebody. Um, we're all human, we all make mistakes. And I think, you know, us just having those relationships and learning that we can be decent with each other, even in hard situations or hard times, it would make us grow. Even as EMS in general, it would just make us grow. Um, and I think we have to have those in EMS. So Sarah, a, a lot of really positive um, feedback on what you heard and I think what you believe. Um, I want to be serious and then go to the funny. Usually you should do it the other way, I think. But I, I totally get what Adam was saying uh, and, and kind of Gabby alluded to, but Adam specifically said about your tone, you walk with a heavy stick and yet at the same time, you come with just this pure and consistent, just da 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 And man, that resonates well, man. Adam, until you said that, I wasn't particularly listening for that. And at the same time, wow. Um, meek meek but carries a heavy stick um that, that that's just impressive uh it, it's funny to me how uh i've lived in pennsylvania georgia north carolina ohio colorado and oklahoma and uh for for all y'all that heard fussed out um fussed out means yelled at cussed at uh had a talking <laughs> to uh got in trouble uh we're held accountable any and all those things but fussed out i think uh that, that's pretty common to your your region of north carolina um but i thought that was pretty good too so if 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 you if you don't want to get fussed out and don't want to be held accountable don't go work for agencies uh that uh these ladies and gentlemen uh over there at edgecombe county are operating in because it's it's pretty impressive their own humility and also what they're sharing with the people that are coming out in the field. And, and it looks like y'all are training up some, uh, that's another good one, training up. 
training <laughs> up some good uh, good practitioners in 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 the field of education to, to really change lives when they hit the streets. Adam, bravo. Um, what what else? I know you wanted to touch up upon a few other things uh, within the organization, role models, things that you had mentioned, and and, and you've got two really good ones that, that you brought on today's podcast with us. So I know there's other things you want to bring up. So the other thing I wanted to talk about, one of the other things is, is what leadership is to me. You know, I, I've been in the fire EMS service for over 20, 25 years, and I've seen many aspects of good leaders, and I've seen some bad leaders. Uh, my biggest thing that I believe is, and I'm going to hit on each one of these because I feel they're important, is I feel that leadership is love. Uh, I really didn't have a complete understanding of that until a few weeks ago when I was reading a, a book, and it described what love was, and and I made a comment on Facebook, and uh, and then Gabby actually reached out and fathered that comment. You know, we have to love our team. Um, love is, is so important because, you know, I care about my team, and they care about each other, not just when we're at work, but outside of work. If Gabby, Gabby or Sarah is supposed to teach a class and they've had a bad shift the night before, you know, all I have to say is, look, I'm just, I'm just not good today. And that's okay. Because here in this area, we have a lot of bad calls. Uh, there was not too long ago that Gabby had a horrible shift. That just was probably the worst I've heard in a while. And she called me up and she says, you know what? I'm just not good today. I, you know, I can't do it. And I'm like, that's fine because I don't want you somewhere where you don't need to be. But we have to have that love. We have to be able to take care of each other, not just in the classroom, but outside of the classroom. We have to build those relationships. And, you know, I, I need to know what's going on in your life. Not necessarily everything, but, you know, the important things. You know, if you're having a baby or if something's going on that you want to talk about, they need to be able to come to me and talk about it and know that I'm not going to go out here and blab my mouth to everybody. Leadership. It has patience. The patience of Sarah, I think is how I would describe it. Not the patience of Job in the Bible, but the patience of Sarah. We have to understand that everybody has different backgrounds. Everybody fights different battles. So again, it goes back to the importance of learning our people and learning what battles they're facing. Leadership is a temperament. Again, going back to Sarah. You have to have that temperament. You have to be able to be level-headed no matter what you're doing in the, in the field. What leadership is not, leadership is not this charismatic person who puts the focus on, them, on themselves. And we all know that one charismatic person out there who says, I did this, I did that. No, there's no I in team. Uh, actually, there is. It's right in the middle of the A-hole. Sorry, I had to get that out there. But there, there's really no I in team. All right. I had to give that out there because I was on mute, but that deserved a little whoo. All right. Come back to you. But th there's there's really not. I mean, the charismatic leader. And, and again, you know, I've been doing a lot of reading, especially here lately, is, is one that I see a lot. Uh, they pretend to lead. But whenever you start digging, you really find out they're not the leader that you thought they were. Uh, and then there's managers. They're great at meeting company expectations, but they're not great at taking care of the team. And, and those are just things that that we don't need in EMS. Um, so I hear don't need. 
is that okay as long as they don't have like significant interactions with human beings yet they do their role and responsibility well and they're good at being held accountable and, and given the opportunity to da 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 but they're not like patient centric they're not like leaders or or in positions where they actually dole out uh accountability conversations um uh i, I think management ha has its piece and i totally understand what you're saying brother you're singing songs of sweet sweet beauty in my ear uh leadership is patience leadership is love uh, one of the things i like to put in there is grace um but uh you're studying right now. What are you studying? You're you're in school, aren't you? I know you are, but what are you studying? Uh, currently working on my master's in health uh, health science. And so you're learning a lot of management things because there's very little leadership training in that curriculum, if I'm correct, right? Yeah, there's very little leadership training in that in that curriculum. A lot of the leadership training that I've received came from uh, doing the uh, my bachelor's in emergency disaster management. And then that is about dealing with people, leading, getting resources, and having relationships with people. Because if you don't have relationships, and one of you mentioned emergency management uh, earlier, that's about, well, it was you, Adam. Uh, that, that's putting people, setting them up for success. Um, and, and the other cool thing is, is when we do fail, if we get up, we're successful. Um, Sarah, Gabby, uh, your, your uh, boss, so to speak, and, and I, I know he is entitled, but it sounds like he's much more of a, of a I don't know how to say, got to keep that close to the cuff about friend, but at least y'all are personally relatable and, and have a relationship that's, that's greater, that goes deeper than just you're my boss. So how does that make y'all feel, Sarah, Gabby, whoever wants to come in first? Um, I guess just knowing that I have this kind of open door with Adam where, you know, like he mentioned the bad shift, you know, I knew that when I called Adam, he wasn't going to tell me, oh, no, you have to come to work today. I mean, I knew that before I called him. I called him so that he would know that, hey, like, you need to find somebody else to come teach tonight. Not because I was expecting him to say that you have to come in tonight or anything. And, and in just being Adam, I also knew he wasn't going to grill me about, you know, what happened with the call and all this other stuff, because that's not who Adam is. He knew when I called him and said, Hey, I've had a really, really bad shift today and I can't do this, that there was no need for him to ask any further. Now, would I have explained to him? Of course I would have, because like you said, he is my boss and, and I do understand that, you know, that is the relationship that's there. But I also know that um, Adam knows me well enough on a personal level and I know Adam well enough on a personal level that <clears throat> we we can talk to each other that way and, and we can have that um just that relationship where we we kind of understand one another, even if we don't necessarily go into grave detail about, you know, what was the call like and well, why can't you come tonight? And it's kind of short notice because I called the morning of, you know, I worked 36 hours that day and, and I had four cardiac arrests in 36 hours. And it was just a, a tremendous shift that day. And, and by the end of it, I was just completely, I had given all of myself that I could give that day to EMS. And, and Adam knew that just from the tone of my voice and I was just so grateful even you know today but especially that day when Adam he he just he was very personable I guess that day because he just said okay that's fine I got you don't worry about it 
go home, you know, it's going to be fine. And I knew my class was taken care of. I didn't have to worry, you know, if there was going to be somebody there, if they were going to get the material that they needed. I knew that when I went home and rested and I was ready to come back, that everything was going to be you know, just fine. And Adam was going to have taken care of it. And, and I can say that I've worked many places other than just EMS. And I've been in EMS for seven years this year. And, and that's not always the case with the person that's your boss or your manager or whatever that that title necessarily is. There's not always that open door policy. And I wish there was because I think that the human factor of being in EMS would be a lot more understood. You know, the weight of this job sometimes can be something that you just see so much darkness and sometimes you just need a moment to just take a deep breath and be a person. And, and Adam gives me that, that grace and that love and that, that space to just be a person. That's, that's again, beautiful. And, and Adam, uh, um, I, I know that your humility, but I, I want to say bravo to you um, because it sounds like what you've experienced is, is, is through uh, a lot of it trial and error. And, and being uh, a self, self-taught, uh, seeking out learning opportunities, leadership opportunities, and, and continuing to have that growth mindset, which all three of you have. Um, with that being said, Sarah, I, can, I wanna pivot just slightly. Um, I, I read recently, in, in it, it, and, and I know it's horrible when, when we're looking at social media, talking about paramedicine uh, in general, but this uh, meme, it was, and it was actually a, a quote, but just watched a London Hems doctor, a helicopter doctor, and a paramedic perform a thoracotomy with Rosk in the middle of the city street. This was on Netflix. It was, uh, um, it, it actually did happen. It was not just a movie. Uh, but the comment continues. Meanwhile, in the United States, we're arguing about whether everyone needs a backboard or if we can reduce the number of hours it takes to become a paramedic and yet continue to to yell and scream about getting higher pay. Um, I'll yell and scream about getting higher pay all day long. Um, but at the same time, we look at some of our brothers and sisters across this great nation of ours. Uh, and, and you got to wonder why we're arguing about things, why we want to, quote unquote, uh, my words, not yours, my words, not yours, dumb down the, the quality of the education and the length of the education. Um, in order to get uh, to a position where we have more respect from our co-responders, nurses, doctors, et cetera. And then the other thing that was interesting, this specifically said thoracotomy, which is opening the chest. Uh, and, and people were getting it confused with thoracostomy, which is in some HEMS organizations, and I flew uh, as a paramedic, where we could do the thoracostomy, or in other words, a chest tube. Um, so people are even arguing over that because they see one word and, and they read it as another. And we're, we're bitching and moaning about education standards. And the three of you and your organization and a big, a big, big uh, hand clap to um, Edgecombe Community College and who, and who you've brought on board there. Because um, y'all are doing it differently. Now, I'm not saying that other schools and organizations aren't doing it good or okay but i'm not going to throw any dirt and shade on places that aren't doing it but we all know places that aren't doing it near nearly well enough um and y'all want to continue to improve so with all that being said that was a whole bunch of stuff and i apologize uh pick and choose what what you want to address but the the big point that i 
was initially looking at to maybe kind of bring you back is in in London, they're doing their opening chest, a doctor and a paramedic. Here, many agencies uh, aren't even doing minimally invasive procedures because your medical direction says no. Um, and, and hospitals won't let us in to do intubations and whatever the case may be. So how are you guys meeting those kind of gaps if you have them? And it sounds like, and I know North Carolina and I've lived there, um, not a not a Carolina fan, not a Duke fan. Uh, so that, that, that leaves it open. So hopefully I don't get in any arguments with y'all, but what are you doing, Sarah, to maintain uh, a presence to reduce that gap in education and abilities? And do y'all argue about what you need to do at, at your community college? Um, I think we do a very good job in, in this area. I don't know um, much about other other areas. Uh, I've worked like Wake, uh, Raleigh area, um, Wilson. I've worked other places that in a part-time capacity. Um, but around here, I feel like we, we have pretty good range. Obviously, there are certain things that um, I wish we could do more, such as like RSI and stuff. There are some counties that do that. Um, but I feel like we have a pretty good range now. I do have to agree with um, the pay just because simply, you know, we, we are innovating um, such as like a respiratory therapist would do. We are doing um, those things. We are doing things that um, it is very heavy. It's a lot for one person to, um, in the back of a truck, you know, deliver a whole baby by themselves or, um, innovate somebody and run a whole code with just two people back there or um, it's just it's a lot and I feel like um, holding EMS uh, clinicians or however you want to term it but holding us to a higher standard I think would be great I think that's going in a great direction but I do have to say um, even what we're doing today I feel like we're severely underpaid um, especially with um, the large amount, you know, of things we're doing in the back of that truck, you could define us some days as a as a doctor, as a um, psychologist, as a cardiologist, as a um, respiratory therapist. There's so many things we do on a daily basis, and um, holding us to a higher standard would be great. And I, I do believe we should. But I, I think to go in that direction, um, there's going to have to be a change in, in pay. Yes, and, and I wholeheartedly agree. And it's interesting you say, um, you know, as a paramedic, um, we are a medical professional who specializes in emergency treatment. Uh, and obviously, para means next to and medic means doctor. Um, so in lieu of or in, in, in place of until we get them to a physician, and I think for all the things that we do, when, when we're having silly ass, my, my word, silly ass arguments about um, still are we using backboards pr properly when science is dictated that there's so many void spaces and they don't work uh, other than for great movement modalities. Um, and we can't even do thoracostomies and your county isn't doing RSI uh, because of medical direction or county oversight. And, and some are, are actually doing chest tubes. Um, that, that's not just an education issue, but that, that uh, of within our colleges, 
that is an education issue with emergency room physicians. And, and I just got to shout this one. I am still angry at this. And, and I took a patient to a, a, a local ER the other day um, and they were uh, handcuffed after they refused to comply with uh, and, and were ripping out of their soft restraints. We called law enforcement into the back of the truck with eight people back there, um, rig, ambulance, rescue, whatever people call them. And then uh, because they were still being violent, combative, and the state protocols say if a patient is physically restrained, they must be chemically restrained and vice versa. If they're chemically restrained, they must be physically restrained because we do not know the length of time that that chemical restraint is going to stay on. Um, plus, we don't want them to injure themselves as he was continuing to yank and pull on now hard restraints or handcuffs on his wrist after threatening to kill three people and grabbing and punching people. Um, the ER physician, um, and then that's all the more I'll say, uh, they, they forget that we are very intelligent human beings. And just because you're a doctor doesn't mean that we're not intelligent. Um, intelligence is, is education and, and, and uh, common sense and all those things combined. Um, so I'm not just jumping up and down on my soapbox, but hearing what you said about education and knowledge, these people don't want to hear what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to do it. They just want to come in and have an easy walkthrough with what they've got. Um, they want to be able to talk to the patient, figure out, get a few laps and send them out because they're busy too, right? And, and this person, this physician, I had to go to the charge nurse and I should have gone to the hospital administrator and said, you know what? They don't know what they're talking about. I hate that this is how they talk to people, paramedics specifically, and we need to bridge this gap. But here are the facts. And I gave them the policy and the procedure through the state protocols, which we have to at least do at minimum. And then medical directors can increase what we do or don't do uh, based upon their whims and wishes and education level and knowledge of EMS. But I got a little heated right there and I apologize, but it really irks me and it gets my goat when those of us that are professional, those of us that are educated, those of us that continue our education in, in the field of paramedicine, in science, in study, get berated by doctors and nurses that don't care what we do don't know what we do, or just allowing the emotion of whatever is going on in their personal life to affect the interpersonal relationships they have with EMS. So it's like, okay, doctor's helper, okay, ambulance driver, you know, when are we going to eradicate these types of uh, behaviors? And I think what y'all are doing at Edgecombe uh, Community College and then Edgecombe uh, EMS is are, are making great strides in kind of improving those types of relationships. Adam, you're a big and, and firm believer on leadership and love and patience. Uh, was I right to speak up? And uh, I didn't. I didn't swear. But from your from your perspective, if we don't nip it in the bud when it's done, instead, uh, it'll continue. And I'm over, you know, fifty years old, and that has nothing to do with uh, anything. Only to say, I'm tired of being stepped on as a human being, I've worked in law enforcement, I've worked in fire, I've worked in EMS, but as a paramedic after 17 years, I'm tired of people minimizing and diminishing what we do. Um, and, and it's typically people in the healthcare spectrum that, that wanna step on us and hold us back, nursing uh, in particular. And I'm bridging to RN, you know, I'm taking science classes, 
uh, which I love actually. I have a bachelor's degree. I'm getting an associate's degree. I have a post-secondary teaching certificate. All of that to say this, I don't know enough, but yet we're maligned as stupid, ignorant, don't know what we're doing. Uh, so Adam, to my point, are we doing it well? D did I do okay? Should I have said anything or should I keep my mouth shut? We're always supposed to be patient advocates. Uh, that, that is part of being a clinician is being a patient advocate and communicating the, the, the issues that we see. What we don't see a lot of times is the people don't know how to communicate. And, and I'll just use physicians, for example, we're so used to typing our words that we don't know how to do that verbal piece of communication. But one thing I wanna go back to is I wanna go back to what you first mentioned about education as a whole. In the United States, we are, education as a whole, uh, and this is my words, sucks. Um, you know, we, we, we started out yes. in elementary school and we just kind of push people through. And when we get to college, you know, Gabby and Sarah can attest to this. When we get to college, students don't know how to act. So now we have to teach them how the college life is. You know, we actually have assignments that are due at a specific time and we do offer some grace, we, we do. But if you look across the pond, as we say, and you look at places like London, paramedics there are actually required to have a bachelor's degree uh, to perform. So we need to be holding people to a higher educational standard and not dumbing them down. And, and, you know, we, we were going to lead into this, but that's one thing that really frustrates me about the new National Registry proposal that allows people who go through a state program to take the National Registry test. Not every state holds, the, holds, people, holds colleges or institutions to the same litmus test that the National Registry holds them to, that KHAP and, and co-AMSP hold these, these, these colleges to. So it's very frustrating that, you know, NREMT wants to dumb things down and uh, try to, to water down the whole national register process. We want better pay for our EMS providers. I think that is so important to have better pay. But at the same time, we can't keep dumbing down education and expect the better pay for it. I don't disagree personally. And at the same point, there's got to be that give and take on each side. So um, when when our co-workers and, and those of us in the country are not on the MC, uh, the American Ambulance Association, uh, or they're not seeing these, um, uh, what are they? Where um, you can do a letter easily to, um, to a senator or a congressperson that's supporting EMS, uh, that supports reimbursement rates. I mean, holy crap, when we're being paid more by the mileage than the medicine, that's a problem. That we're under the Department of Transportation, and, and I know that, 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 that this is a bad thing to say, we need to be under the Department of Health and Human Services. The Department of Transportation should have oversight on our vehicles at the most. When we're being paid by the mileage versus the medicine, that in and of itself tells me that they don't give a about what we're doing. If it's mileage versus medicine, then how are we perceived to begin with? Um, I, I, it, get, it makes me angry. You, you know, we talked about, you talked about that article and, and the, 
I think the NRAMT is, is ludicrous for doing this. There's a there's a public comment period. Uh, Kelly Grayson talks about it uh, on EMS One. Um, if you don't follow Kelly Grayson uh, or know him, follow him, watch him, listen to him. Uh, Jonathan Fight also talks about in education uh, two views, rinse and repeat. Basically, what we're doing is a uh, regurgitation of materials. Uh, where we don't change things, where it's easy to just come in and do this for ongoing and continuing education. Um, when we build relationships with people in the same conferences, have the same people because relationships and money and, and all that kind of stuff. We do this thing with EMS Improv and, and until my relationship with uh, this person or Peter Antebi or this person, uh, and, and I've gotten our name out there by doing doing these workshops, talking about and working on the affective uh, or what we like to call the essential skills until we elevate ourselves and are willing to be vulnerable and hold ourselves accountable, which y'all are doing a great job. And, 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 and I know you continue to want to get better. So in, in your humility, please accept that I believe that you're doing a great job. Um, Adam, since we've been talking uh, and met on LinkedIn, I have been re, well, you've sparked me to do more and better. And, and I like to study and I like to research and, and, and I'm in school as you are and all of these things, but you instilled in me a sense of desire or, or re reinvigorated my passion to continue to work hard. Um, I, I think you probably do that with Sarah and Gabby. And I'm just curious, Sarah, um, Gabby just had the last opportunity. Um, what are you looking for as opportunities to continue to self-elevate and educate uh, in, in order to be the best you that you can be for all those people that you serve? I think that probably for me, it changes uh, every day. Um, every day, I just, I, I have, you know, I roll with the punches and try to be the, ve the best version of me and try to give everyone around me the best version of me. Um, I think if, if nothing else, at least that, that pushes me and has, for me, has opened up so many doors and opportunities um, along the way. Uh, and every day I come to work, I always say, and I tell everyone uh, that is on my shift, every day you should be learning something new. It don't matter how long you have been doing this, um, find one thing and review it for an hour a day. And I promise you, it will grow you as an individual. Um, and just, I think that is um, pretty much what will push me and elevate me. Um, and I guess maybe everyone around me, I just want to elevate um, the people in my shift, everyone around me and just help them grow as well. Um, I think that's pretty much my only standard is every day, um, nothing is going to be the same, but regardless of what comes at you, just be a decent human being and um, roll with the punches pretty much. Um, there's other things that, you know, we all go through things every day, um, psychologically or mentally, physically, emotionally that nobody knows around us. And I try to give grace. I, I, I don't expect grace from anyone, but I try to give it to everyone around me. And um, I think that's that's pretty much what's going to keep me growing and moving is being that person. Sarah, y'all, uh, you per particularly, uh, and, and Gabby and Adam as well, make my heart happy. 
um, grace and love and patience in leadership for yourself and for those around you. It's it's a remarkable thing to do, and it and it wasn't easy. So I don't know what your learning curve was or what incident in your lives uh, and or trauma that you suffered or witnessed uh, resulted in each of you coming to that that standard of grace, love, and patience in your work as, as leaders in your organizations. But I just, I applaud you. And again, it makes my heart sing uh, and, and very happy to know that there are wonderful individuals like y'all in the communities where my family still lives. Um, that, that take care of people the right way. And I thank you for that. It's a testament to, uh, to everything that you desire to be and to continue to grow. Um, Gab, is there anything you want to add on that? Um, and, and as we're starting to consider wrapping, wrapping this up, I would, I'm curious to get your thoughts on what Sarah said and, and adding your own spice to that. I guess kind of what I've been thinking as you guys are talking is that there's this leader that um, worked for our agency and even for um, Edgecombe Community College not long ago who who kind of told me that there's this gap that exists and the gap is between you know the community college and then the EMS agencies and how do we really close that gap and get what our educational stand, standards are in the classroom to the back of the ambulance to patient care and and I really as I sit here and kind of think about it I really think that a lot of it has to do with just the history of EMS and you kind of hit a little bit on how we're under the Department of Transportation and and I definitely agree we, sh we don't belong there. But if you kind of look back at you know how EMS started that's kind of why we're there and I think that a lot of the misunderstanding that takes place between us and other healthcare providers is just this lack of education of really what EMS is what's our primary role. Um, and kind of just that conversation of are we just, you know, a glorified taxi service or do we really provide medicine? And I think that, you know, as I've had these conversations with other healthcare providers, you know, my sister's a respiratory therapist and, and I have some other healthcare providers in my family who work like in an ER setting. And as they've kind of learned, you know, since I've been in paramedicine, you know, what we really do and what our job entails. They, they have that that kind of sense of like, wow, you, you know, you interpret 12 leads and you start IVs and you hang drips and you do all of these things that we do in the ER as well. And so then just that respect and that rapport is kind of built between the ER and EMS. And I, I really think if we're ever going to get to a place to where it's this seamless healthcare transition where the patient starts at their house, EMS comes out and then they go to the hospital, that in the nursing education, there needs to be a section about EMS and about pre-hospital medicine. And because a lot of the patients that these nurses and doctors see at the ER, they're seen by EMS, they come in by EMS. And, um, you know, we've treated them, we've already started doing things, we've done our own assessment. And I've interacted with some great nurses and great doctors in my career who have, you know, this real respect for EMS and, and they um, listen to what I'm telling them I found and what the patient looked like and where they were at and when this started. And then you have, you know, this other subset of providers who you come in and they're like, all right, let me just sign the paper and you can just get out. And they're just going to start from scratch. And I've already done all of these things for the patient. You know, I've already done this full assessment that really could help them instead of having to start from zero, you know, they might be a step or two ahead because I've already found all these things that if they would just take the time to listen and consider me a medical professional in the same way that they view their coworkers that, you know, the patient wouldn't have to wait even longer for things that might 
be unnecessary. They wouldn't have to answer the same set of questions that I can already give you the answer to. So I think closing that gap really kind of, it falls on us to some degree if we have to get out there and make a name for EMS and explain to these people like, hey, you know, this is the educational standards that we have and we have to, to unify what we do when we teach education. Education in Edgecombe County should be the same thing that it is in Wilson County, Wayne County, Greene County, any, anywhere that's local in North Carolina. If I go to take a class as a paramedic, I should get the same standard of teaching. I should um, get the same level of accountability from the instructors. Um, that should be a unified thing. And unfortunately, right now, it's it's a really broken system. And some places do it really well, and other places are are really struggling to just get by with what the state says that we have to do. And I think if we're ever going to move in a direction where EMS is this really profound profession and we're paid for what we really should be doing and we're looked at in the same you know, respectful regard that the nursing community is that we're going to have to step up and we're going to have to increase those educational standards. Um, and then I think that the pay and everything will kind of follow that. And, and it started to move in the right direction. We're just not there yet. But we also have to remember too that EMS is a, a fairly young profession in regards to like the nursing profession and, and other areas of kind of medicine in general. Yeah, we, uh, I heard so much and I'm thankful for your words too. The one big thing that I hear is pride. People that have excessive pride in how they've done it, they're going to do it. They're not going to hear other people. They're clouded by pride. Um, they don't have patience, grace, or love, and oftentimes for themselves. Um, wow, what an amazing and remarkable team, Mr. Adam Culbertson. Uh, I'd like to kind of give you an opportunity to wrap up or hit on a point that we haven't hit upon before we uh, come to a conclusion of this episode of the EMS Improv podcast. Um, you have a wonderful team, and, and if uh, we had an opportunity to meet the rest of your team, uh, I would be equally is uh, amazed and in awe of the level of relational perspective and, and conversation and engagement that y'all share. So thank you, Mr. Culbertson. Eric, I, I do want to thank you for allowing us to come on here. Uh, I feel it's important that, you know, I didn't just want me to have a voice. I wanted the team as a, to have a voice. I feel like uh, as far as me as a leader, I still have a long way to go. I, I learn something new every day. A lot of it is trial and error because, you know, when I grew up in EMS, there were no leadership classes. Uh, there were no, there were no uh, really guidance other than just kind of like what Gabby, I think, hit on earlier, and that's relying on people that you see are good leaders. The, the thing is, is, is I'd like to reiterate to my team is that no leader is perfect. Uh, we all have our, our faults, our downfalls, our bad days. Uh, but at the same time, we're only as good as our team. And I like to say we're only as good as our weakest link in that team. And I'm very blessed that I, I don't have any weak links in my team. I have a very diverse team who knows they can come to me and they can, again, like I said about Gary, they can hold me to the fire and they can... They, they can come to me and talk to me about anything. And to me, that's what's important about being a leader. You know, these guys go into a classroom and they know that I've got their back and I know that they got my back. It's not one of those things where 
they think I'm looking over their shoulder. At least I hope it's never that way. They think I'm looking over their shoulder. I'm trying to watch everything they're doing because I'm, I'm not. Typically, I'll step in a classroom every now and again. Sometimes I'm annoying them if they kick me out, but that's beside the point. Um, just to say hi, but I don't go in there and just sit and, and kind of hover over them because I have enough trust and faith in them that I know they are doing a good job with their classes. I, I, I'm sorry, I just, I hear that. And, and uh, I hear accountability and, and I hear you say faith and trust. And then there is that aspect of leadership where there is that verify. And, and there's nothing wrong with that uh, as long as it's not, like you said, overarching and where it's always imposing and where that they feel that they can't be their authentic selves. And I think that's important. You're allowing your staff to be their authentic selves because you have recognized your authenticity um, in, in the man, uh, in the leader, in the educator, in the practitioner that you have become over time. Uh, I cut you off. So let me, if, if you're able to remember what you were going to say, I, I'm sorry, but I just, I just thought it was important to recognize about the verify, trust and verify. And, and we can have faith all day long, um, but in your role and in their roles as lieutenants with Edgecombe County EMS, they still have to at, at times verify. And that should just be a normal part. It shouldn't be when you go into their classroom, they shouldn't be pissed off. Just like when they're walking into a station and it's dirty and it's unkept and un unclean and their reports, you know, their coworkers reports or their subordinates reports aren't done on time. It should be normal that we hold them and verify that they're doing what they're doing. So with all that to be said, I, I appreciate you letting me interrupt you and I apologize, sir. Oh, it's perfectly fine. But the, the thing is, is, you know, we have here, we have, a, we are blessed. We are in a poor community, but we have so many toys to play with. Uh, I mean, it's just amazing what we have. We have a 14,000 square foot facility that allows us to do all kinds of simulation. And these guys, they do that. They, they are all constantly engaging their, their students and they really make me happy, uh, you know. And, and that's what it's about is, is leadership starts at the bottom and it goes to the top and it starts at the top and it goes to the bottom. There, there's no other way to do leadership other than that. Well, I, I don't disagree with you. And ladies and gentlemen that have been listening and that have tuned in and that will tune in, this is and has been the EMS Improv Podcast where we engage, where we are mindful we share and tell our stories. We've had three awesome, fantastic, lovely individuals on. Mr. Adam Culbertson, the Fire and EMS Coordinator at Edgecombe Community College. Two of his paramedic instructors, Ms. Sarah Lewis and Ms. Gabby Robinson. They are also lieutenants with Edgecombe County EMS. Wonderful things going on there in Edgecombe County um, with wonderful, passionate, collaborative, creative minds working to take care of those citizens within that community and all the visitors that come through. Warms my heart to be a North Carolinian, have lived in North Carolina, to know that great things are going on there um, in the Tar Heel State. Adam, it's a pleasure to know you. Sarah and Gabby, it's a pleasure to have gotten to know you and to shine that uh, light on the great things that y'all are doing. I would love at some point to come out there and. Uh, with your students or with your organization to do an EMS improv 
workshop or something to that matter. Uh, look forward to growing our relationships. And next time I come out to visit family, uh, to look y'all up and, and, and hopefully have a chance to do lunch or something. So um, Sarah, Gabby, and Adam, thank you all very much for your time, your professionalism, your love and care for humans and one another to be such a bright light in what can be such a dark place. And I thank you all so very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir.